You're now listening to the I Got Fired Last Week podcast, where we discuss the challenges and opportunities around being out of work. If you're feeling lost, overwhelmed, uninformed, or simply uninspired, there's something here for you. I'm your host, Sam Eremarin, and along with my guests, we're here to walk on this journey together. Stay tuned. That's right. Hey, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of I Got Fired Last Week. Firstly, thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. I've got great feedback from people who have just been saying that this is useful, that they've enjoyed it, that it's been inspiring, and that they can really resonate with some of the things that I've been going through. (laughs) So um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's good that you've been going through them too, but I would say it's good that we've been able to find each other and we are a community of people who have been through the same thing and understand um, what it feels like and what it means to go through that. I especially appreciate those who um, who showed a lot of love over the emotions that we spoke about in episode two, and then a bit more of the practical side of it that we spoke about in episode three. I think it's nice to have a balance. We can rush straight into, it's go mode, it's time to go. I'm going to level up and get to my next level. Sure. But at the same time, <laughs> it also makes sense to say, let me take a step back. Let me try to manage the emotions and the practicalities and bring some form of balance. So what are we talking about in this episode? Something which is really dear to my heart. I'm sure it's dear to your heart. It's dear to pretty much everyone's heart. And that's finances and money. Um, This can be a very touchy subject, but I think it's a very necessary one. Definitely. Especially considering that we are a people who have either been fired or made redundant from our main source of income. It's especially crucial <laughs> for us because there is a question of what do we do now financially? You know, the um, the Bank of England, they released a statistic which said a third of adults in the UK have no savings or less than £1,000 to their name. Now, if you're going to be out of work for six months, things can turn very dark very quickly. <laughs> So we're going to talk about it just to clarify. And I have to put it out there. This is not financial advice. Every situation is going to be unique to you. I would say that even beyond a disclaimer, I would say never take anybody's advice and automatically assume that it's going to work a hundred percent to your situation. I'd say that because you are unique, your fingerprint is unique. It's very likely that you're going to have to caveat and adjust slightly on some of the things that we speak about to make sure that they apply or they're even relevant to you. Um, At the same time, I think if you take two or three of these ideas and you think over them a bit, I think that they'll help. I hope they'll be useful. I'm sure they will, but I hope they will. Um, I'm no expert. I'm no expert. I've made mistakes and I've learned from them. So my hope is as we walk through this process that you're able to say, okay, cool. I think I understand a bit where Sam is coming from and I'm going to try to avoid the mistakes that he made. Hope that makes sense. (laughs) So here we are. Let's go straight into it. You come out of your meeting with HR. You've given back your company computer. You've handed in your pass by everyone. Maybe like you've brought in the Krispy Kreme donuts and you've handed out them to everyone in the office. That's what I did. Um, And it suddenly hits you. I mean, if it hadn't already. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What about the money? How am I going to feed myself? How am I going to feed my family? What in the entire world? Now, I'm going to make two assumptions. The first assumption I'm going to make is that you did not expect to be made redundant. Because if you did, (laughs) then I'm sure that you'll probably have a nest egg or you have 
um, you've made provision or you've done something to make sure that you're not in this situation or at least as deep in this situation. And if we make that assumption, then there's an assumption that you don't have a massive savings pot. Secondly, I'm going to make the assumption that you don't have a job waiting for you. And the reason why that's key is because everything is assessed against time. You may ask yourself the question, wait, is 10K a good redundancy package? And I would say it really depends. <laughs> Are you out of work for six days, six weeks or six months? Because that's very, very different <laughs> if you're trying to understand where you are and what you need to do. So those two assumptions, right? You didn't expect to be made redundant and you don't have a job waiting for you. So what's the first thing that you need to do when we speak about finances? The first thing that you need to do is assess where you currently are. Now, direction is more important than speed. You don't want to just be the hamster on the wheel who just does stuff. You know, well, you know what? Um, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I've got coming in. I don't know what I've got going out. So I'm just going to do stuff, make money. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> and I mean, that's an answer, but it's only the answer if the question is relevant, you know, like you can't just automatically assume that making more money is going to fix the problem. It will fix a problem, but maybe not the problem. One of the things that I used to do, and I tell this story because not, I mean, no noble reason, but just because I feel like it's an interesting story and yeah, you might want to do it. Every three months, I used to go to the bank. This was a painful one. <laughs> I would go to the bank and I would print off my last three months of statements. And I would sit in a coffee shop and I would go through it with a pen and I would add it up manually. How much money have I spent on Amazon? How much money have I spent on coffees? How much money have I spent on taxis? How much money have I spent on takeouts? I, as in, I was meticulous and I would like be there with a calculator, add it all up. I'd do it by month just to see where I am. Listen, a four pound coffee, assume 250 working days, a four pound coffee every morning accounts to a thousand pounds a year. So when you're asking yourself like, where's all my money gone? Well, sometimes your money has just gone to the small little trickles, small little trickles. I know there's a, um, it's not a, a proverb, I'm, I'm sure it's science and it's a very real thing, which says that, you know, like a, a drop of water consistently will be able to break through a rock. I mean, I'm not sure how true that is, but sure. <laughs> you know, I understand the concept and I'm sure you do as well. It's just, it's that small little trickle of money, which is coming out, which may have been damaging you. So again, the first thing that you need to do is you need to assess where you currently are. You need to know and understand like, what's my situation? Do you have savings? If so, how much? How much? It's a very real question. It's not something to shy away from. Now's the time. Have you been saving money? And if you have, how much do you have? How easily can you access that money? So for example, um, there are some ISAs that you pay into, which if you want to access that money, you can't get it until the end of the financial year. Or maybe you've put the money in a 90-day checking account because you were like, yeah, I won't need to touch it. Which means if it's a 90-day checking account, then it, it takes 90 days to get that money out. <laughs> Whereas there are other ones which are instant access that you can just transfer the money across. So that's a great question that you need to ask yourself, which is simply like, how much money do I have? Um, where is that money? And how easily can I access that money? Uh, 
Number two, debt, right? Am I in debt? Now that you're out of work, if you did have any lingering debts, and by the way, I'm not I'm not here to judge you or tell you that debt is good or bad. I have my opinions on debt and I believe that there can be good debt and bad debt. I'm specifically here talking about bad debt. Bad debt is debt that you've spent, you know, clothes, shoes, bags, etc. Um, just anything that isn't necessarily an asset or doesn't bring any money into your pocket at the end of the day, week, month, or year. I would call that bad debt. Even then, good debt, which is debt that you've gone into to acquire assets, can very easily become bad debt if you don't have the working capital or the cash flow to service that debt. So I'm talking about all types of debt. Remember, we're trying to get to your financial position and understand where you are. So um, don't hold back. Don't be like, nah, that's fine. That's just like some property investment stuff that I've got. You need to bring it to the forefront. We need to know. Because debt can affect your credit score. And your credit score is simply your lendability pre, uh, based on your previous history, right? Lendability based on previous history. So your credit score is to what extent can a bank or a financial institution or any any lending institution, to what extent can they trust that if they extend you credit, that you will be able to pay it back? And I'm sure you can imagine, because if you flipped it on your head, it's the equivalent of like, would you borrow your friend money if you knew that your friend was like a, a massive spender, a gambler, you know that money's not going to come back. You're going to be super wary as to how much you lend them, especially when we're talking about numbers like, oh, I went to the bank for a 50K loan. Or I went to the bank for a 300K mortgage. I mean, they're really going to ask you some questions because <laughs> they're going to want to know like, yo, are you, are you able to? Because if you're not, I need to know that. So it can affect your credit score if you are in debt and you lose your job because it affects your ability to pay back. Then you need to know your monthly expenses. And this isn't a time to be cute or to justify why you need a subscription to this makeup place or listen, Sam, you don't understand. I do need Disney Plus and Netflix and Prime Video and Hulu and HBO. I do. I'm sure you do. <laughs> you know, I'm 100% sure. You, oh, sorry. And Crunchyroll for my anime fans. Um, but you need to evaluate where your money is going. What are your monthly expenses? Which means on the at the end of the month, from the 1st to the 28th, 30th or 31st of that month, what are all of the expenses that are going to go out? You need to know that. Um, when you're doing this financial snapshot, I'm not telling you to go in and suddenly start canceling things. Canceling every subscription may end up being the answer, but I wouldn't recommend it being the first thing you do because I think unfortunately you can end up disguising bad habits in, well, no problem. If I just cancel a couple of subscriptions, I'll be fine. No, you need to be painfully and brutally honest. You need to know and understand my money is going out to ridiculous things. And because of that, here are the things I'm going to do. So don't be afraid, you know, don't be afraid to really just, this is how I spend money. This is what, this is that, this is that. And by the end, you should have a pretty good snapshot of where you are and how long you can sustain yourself. And I'm talking real basic terms, which is you have 10K saved, you're outgoing to 2K a month. You could sustain yourself for five months before you're running into trouble. That's really, really useful information and really, really useful data to have because it helps you to plan and it helps you to end up executing things well. You don't want to end up in a situation where you thought you had more money 
and it's not like, uh-oh. To be honest, you probably want to be in a situation where it's you thought you had less money and it turns out that you've got more. That's the real win. Um, the reverse isn't exactly the real win. <laughs> so that's the first thing. The first thing is that you want to assess where you currently are and you want a financial snapshot of all of your savings, all of your debt and all of your expenses, right? Number two, number two, you want to draw up a budget. And I know, I know we get afraid of that word. And I think it's because many budgets are excessively complicated. Now, regardless of whether you have a basic or a complicated budget, your budget just needs to work and you need to stick to it pretty much. It needs to work in that it, in its relevance, it's able to detail some stuff and you need to stick to it in terms of it's not so detailed that you don't get lost in it. What is a budget? Sam, what is a budget? A budget is simply, <laughs> um, it's a financial plan. Is a financial plan for a given period. How much you have coming in versus how much you have going out is pretty simple. You don't need to overcomplicate it. And I've I've seen some spreadsheets with formulas and macros that can probably predict the next solar eclipse. It doesn't matter. Without discipline, it's just another task that will end up giving you anxiety. That being said, if you've done the first task of assessing where you are and getting that financial snapshot, this second bit should be simple. You just want to plug everything that you found out in the first task into this one. There's no magic to it. So when I said, how much money do you have coming in? Of course, you want to have your income. You want to have your savings. You want to have all of that stored up there. And then you want to have your debt and you want to have your expenses. This is money I currently have and money going out. This is money I currently owe. Sorry, money I currently have and money coming in. This is money I currently owe and money that I have going out. And it just like, that can be the budget. And you're probably thinking, is that it? Isn't that the snapshot? No. Let me tell you the difference. With our earlier assumptions, the main thing which has changed now is your income. So you can't do the same things. Financial snapshot tells you where you are today. Budget is technically moving in time. It's dynamic. It's not static. Which means now, as you're looking at this thing over time, you say, my financial snapshot says that I'll be this by this time. Let me go through this and budget for all of the months based on that information. Now we can get really aggressive. So it's, huh, I probably want to cut all five of these streaming services because they don't fit into my budget. Hold on a second. I pay £150 for a phone subscription. I'm probably going to cut that back. Um... I eat out at Nobu and Novikov and I mean, you can tell I don't go to any of these places, right? <laughs> but I'm going to probably cut back on eating at all these fine restaurants and paying three to 400 pounds every time I go. Why? I just don't have the money for that. Um, you know, re as in like really, really aggressive. And you need to understand this. Like when it comes to reducing your outgoings, this is not about being cute. This is survival. You've got to do what you've got to do to feed your family. I'm not asking you to go there and be like, no, but Sam, I need it. I need it. I mean, I hear you. And that's why, actually, as part of this budget, okay, a budget is reducing your outgoings without compromising on your essentials. What your challenge will be is in determining what the word essential means. That's what your challenge will be. Your challenge will be, okay, do I need this yay or nay? And it's it's definitely 
tempting to say, I need this. I also need this. I also need this. I also need this. I need it all. I hear you. At the same time, <laughs> needs are really, really like, if you're going to use that word, then use that word really, really well. You know, <laughs> let a need be a need. Because if you just, if you allow a desire or a want to hide itself as a need, then your budget will be way off when you find out that you're paying for things that you really, really, like they're not essential things. Cut a long story short. You know what I'm trying to say. All right. So that's number one and number two. Number one is about your financial snapshot. Moment in time, boom. Budget is dynamic. As we move over the next three, six, nine, 12 months, these are the expenditures that I probably need to cut. Now, again, based on our first assumption, we're doing if my income was zero. But of course your income won't be zero because we're going to look for ways to make money. Yes, this is the I just got fired podcast. You got fired, but we don't want to stay fired. <laughs> you know, we, we actually want to make some money. So that income... Um, column will eventually change we'll try to make some more money we'll try to add to it and see what comes out the other side that could be another job that could be something more entrepreneurial we'll see number three consider deferring your liabilities this is a really interesting one because it's not commonly known did you know that most service providers and banks offer support during times of financial hardship and ignorance is not bliss when it comes to this area. If you don't know that and you automatically assume that your expenses need to stay at the same level, then you may end up just garnering like more anxiety in this area. I remember during the pandemic, um, mortgage providers were offering, well, they said three months at, or, or, what was it? No, it was three months with the opportunity to extend. So they were offering up to six month payment holidays. I personally took a three month payment holiday to build up some savings because we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know whether we would still have jobs, et cetera. So when the bank came in and said, hey, you know, we know things might be tough. We were just like, for the sake that they might be tough, we're happy to take that three month payment holiday on our mortgage just so we can have like some money in the bank, which is pretty cool. The same thing applies for energy providers. They can offer you a payment holiday for a set period which you have to pay back when your financial situation improves. Listen, family, don't allow shame to rob you. Go and ask for help. Ring around the different companies and explain your situation as soon as possible. You may find that they're able to help you. You may find that they're able to put you on a payment plan, or you may find that there's something that they can do to reduce your expenses, um, short term so that over the longer term you pay back a bit more i mean there's loads of things that can be done i did some quick searching um you know the googles and all that good stuff and i found some stuff you can take a, a payment holiday from a mortgage or credit card payments student loans automatically pause when you're not earning over a certain amount we know that but this one which i found super interesting was Offgem, who are the energy regulator um they have mandated it or they put it into law that energy companies have to work with you on an affordable payment plan if you contact them early enough and let them know that you're going through financial hardships. They set apart whole pots of money which they can use to pay your liabilities or to pay your monthlies if for some reason you're unable to. They have to. It's law. So I think that's super cool. I'd say don't wait. You know, the sooner the better. Contact them ASAP and just see if there's anything that they can do for you because I'm assuming they can. 
Ooh, number four, the big bad. The big bad. Now, I'm going to need you to put on your big person briefs, right? And do what's necessary to feed your family, please. There is a stigma. Is it UK? No, it's not UK. It's, it's global. There is a global stigma about people being on benefits. It's almost a swear word. People hate that word. Benefits? How dare I'd rather starve. Benefit. Listen. <laughs> it's as if you're trying to like, not everybody is trying to freeload or live off the state at the expense of the hardworking taxpayer. You know, I, I hear things like that. And I'll be honest, it's just not always true. It's not always true. I'm sure that um, in principle, if you look hard enough, there is a subset of people who will say, I know a friend who's cheating the system, blah, 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 blah. But the abuse of a system by a few people doesn't automatically make the system bad. It just means that there are a few people that abuse it. The system is put in place to help people. Also, 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 if you've been working for a considerable amount of time, can we just put into place the fact that you've been paying taxes and national insurance every month, pretty much for your whole working life? How come you're suddenly afraid to drink from a well that you helped to dig? Hey, man, get over it. Go and get the help you need. If you need help, universal credit, benefits, whatever it is, whatever swear word you want to call it, go and do it. Look, I did a quick search, right? And I'll link this in the show notes. But Age UK, they have a benefits check. Oh, you just heard that. My starter's come back. <laughs> I love the fact I started. I'm not afraid of it at all. But a quick search showed that um, Age UK have a benefits checker. And they asked you a bunch of questions and it took about, I don't know, five to 10 minutes. It didn't take a long time. In the end, based on my circumstances and all the things I'm eligible for, um, I can claim up to 350 pounds a week. What? I mean, let's do, let's do some quick maths because we know there aren't four weeks in a year. Uh, well, sorry, four weeks in a year. Of course there's not. There's not four weeks in a month because that'll be 28 days. There's actually, you know, 30 or 31. So... Call it 4.3 weeks a month. That's 350, 700, doubled 1,400, add the extra. That's like 1,500 pounds a month. 1,500 pounds a month. That is the equivalent of being on 20, is my maths off? I feel like 25K on like a 25, 26K job, 1,500 pounds a month, which they would give to you until you're able, or they give to me, until I'm able to go and find a job or go and find work. Um, it's definitely worth thinking about. I'm not saying go on benefits and stay there for the rest of your days. But what I am saying is that even if it's a couple couple of months just to get you back on your feet, there is nothing wrong with going down the benefits route and claiming what you're entitled to. Listen, I'm just saying don't knock it. Don't knock it. I know it's the swear word that you don't want to hear. I know all of it. But at the same time, if it's necessary, it's necessary. So that was number four, right? And number five, our final one, which is freelancing. Now, I don't want to go too deep into this because I'll be, I mean, I'll be more than summarizing. I'll be going into super detail in this in some of our next episodes. 
But just to summarize, it, it, it does involve you doing things like odd jobs, some as short as an hour, some as long as a month, three months, six months, 12 months, etc. Um, so it's freelancing, it's the gig economy. It might be um, tutoring online. It could be um, translating from language A to language B. It could be something like Amazon Flex. Um, it could be coaching or consulting. It could be anything, anything. Um, I want you to think of wealth, right? I should have said this earlier, but it just come to mind. I want you to think of wealth like a bathtub. And there are two forces that are constantly working on the level of water in the tub. The level of water is money, right? Now the tap is bringing water or money into the tub, whereas the drain is taking water or money <laughs> away from it. So of course, if the levels rise, your wealth increases. And if the levels go down, then your wealth decreases, which makes perfect sense. You've technically already cut your expenses in the earlier work. You know, you took the snapshot, you did the budget and you started kind of aggressively cutting back. So it's nice that you're slowing down how much is leaking out of the tub. But actually, you also probably want to increase some of your income, right? Which means you want to get another job or you want more income coming into your account, coming into your life, coming into whatever it is you're looking for. Um, the nice thing about that contract kind of freelance gig economy is that the work is usually flexible and can be worked around other commitments. So you can go and get another job if you want to, and that replaces your income or increases your income, whatever it is you've decided to negotiate. Or you can do things where you still have income. It may be a bit more ad hoc. It might not necessarily be as regular, but it will just supplement um, what you have coming in and that may help pay for some of the things that you have going out. You can choose to do this on a temporary basis or you can do this full time. I've got I've got a friend at the moment who's making I don't know if you want anyone to know the number, but he's making thousands of pounds a month doing Amazon Flex. The thing is he knows exactly who he is, so if I say his name they're going to be like, "Ah, don't tell him people." But I mean, he he's telling me that when he's going to go and do Amazon Flex, people are pulling up in Teslas, they're pulling up in Range Rovers, they're pulling up in, you know, 23 plate Mercedes, doing Amazon Flex, loading up the car and going out and getting the work done. You know, there are people who are making more money than others make in their salaried career, but they've got the flexibility. So I would say to you, listen, it's not something to turn your nose up at. You know, any way that you can make extra income is a blessing and it could end up alleviating some of that financial pressure. There's going to be a lot more to come um, on this because I do want to explore some of the ways that you can make money, some of the ways that I've made money previously, but also some of the ways that I think, um, you know, you might be able to, ooh, what would I say? It's, you can make money, but you can make it in such a way that you don't need money to start it. That's the bit which I really love. I really, really love the fact that there is a deep assumption that it takes money to make money. And I just don't believe that to be true. I personally believe that if you can go into something and say to yourself, how could I do this if I wanted to do this for free? How could I do this if the only thing that I could spend was my time rather than financial capital? I think that it just makes it way more exciting. So as I'm sure you can tell, I come alive when it comes to um, different ways to help people get businesses off the ground, different ways to help people make money and to move out of this. Listen, remember, I'm in the same place. 
I've also been made redundant. So many of the things which I'm going to walk you through are A, things I've done, B, things I'm doing, and C, things I've seen others do and do really, really well. So that's it for today. That's what I wanted to speak on. I mainly wanted to really kind of bring you home into the world of finances. I don't want it to be a thing that you end up sort of either kind of super panicking about or also not thinking enough about so that you end up in a situation where it's just like, oh my gosh, wow, I really ran out of money (laughs) and I wasn't expecting that. Um, So yes, all of that good stuff that people say, uh, if you found this interesting, please share it with a friend, share it with someone else that you think will also find it interesting. Uh, Follow me on social media. All of the stuff will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate you. This has been fun. My name is Samuel Remeren and we'll speak real soon.